Hey guys, it's Terrence Mann. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? Hello and welcome to Hear the Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. We're here today to talk about Florida State defeating North Carolina and also to preview the Louisville game on Monday night. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and more platforms. <laughs> my name's and I'm here today with both uh, my co-hosts, Austin Beasy. It's just going to be me and Austin today. Logan, Nate, and Carlos couldn't be here today. Austin, how's it going? Pretty good, man. Feeling good for that win. Sadly, uh, everyone else doesn't care about basketball. It's a shame. Yeah, you know, that's how it is sometimes. But it was a good day here in Tallahassee, Florida State. Defeated North Carolina 82-75 to to move to 7-2 and overall and 3-1 and in conference play. North Carolina had a couple runs, but overall it felt like Florida State really controlled the tempo in this game and they had five starters and double figures, including MJ Walker, who finished with 21. Yeah, like you said, you know, Florida State was in control pretty much the entire way. They seemed to have, they seemed to dictate the entire pace of the game. You know, when UNC went on those little mini runs that you know they're going to have, they did a great job of weathering them, making sure it didn't balloon into too big of a lead to overcome. Um, I don't know what UNC's biggest lead ended up being. I don't think it was more than two or three points. But Florida State led for 84% of this game at like 33, 34 minutes. UNC led for just three minutes this game. Um, and when, when you play a team like Carolina that just dominates down low, having a game like this, it's kind of low possession. You limit the rebounds. You know, that, that's all you can really ask for. And Florida State did a great job of dictating what Carolina could do. Yeah, and like you said, I don't really think North Carolina – led the entire second half. It was really Florida State came out. They had that spurt to the uh, under-16 media timeout. And then from there, they, they had some sloppy play with Nate Jack and Wyatt Wilkes airballing a couple three-pointers. And that kind of aided North Carolina to go on a 9-0 run. And like you said, if they only led for about six minutes, most of it had to have been right there during that, during that run. Yeah, I think I think they only led in the first half. If they led in the second half, there was a there was like at the about the ten minute mark, Carolina started really closing in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know MJ had a bad possession. There was a couple things where you're like, "Come on, guys, what are we doing?" Um, but for, for the most part, you know, I was really really pleased with how Florida State played Carolina's bigs. You know, we, we talked about on the preview the other night how with Garrison Brooks. Amando Baycott and Dayron Sharp, they just continuously attack you inside on post-ups, 
high low passes. We saw them the first half. They were killing us on a little action where they got a ball screen, swing, and then a high low pass just immediately over the top. They were killing killing us with that in the first half. Florida State did a great job in the second half of adjusting to that. We saw that one play where MJ Walker just came over the top and took the ball away from, I think it was Garrison Brooks. Um, came in there like a safety. Yeah, like it was the same thing like Devin Vassell did at Louisville last year. Um, just stuff like that, those little adjustments, and you could take an entire game plan away from Carolina because when they don't have those high-low passes, it's really tough for those bigs to get looks. And you limit those three to, com- to a combined 27 points and 12 rebounds and one block. It's a really, really good game plan for Florida State. Yeah, a lot of that credit goes to Balsa Kopervika, who was extremely physical in that second half. He was in there battling for rebounds, even on the offensive end, getting inside for some buckets, throwing down a big dunk. And also Raekwon Gray, who was excellent defensively today, finished with three steals and a block. But, man, it felt like he had six or seven steals because he was just getting so many deflections. And whenever their bigs had the ball down low in the post, he kept swiping away at the ball and – Forcing, forcing turnovers. So, shout out to those guys. Also, Malik Osborne as well. Thought he was pretty solid on defense. And I think we're going to talk about Tanner, Tanner, um, Noam in a couple minutes. But he was good too in a limited minute today. Balsher was incredible. That's by far the most physical he's looked, not just this season, but as so far in his career. He was just rock, rock steady. Wasn't being moved off the block. You know, the, the there's only one or two possessions where I'm. He got a little lazy, he got a little tired, and someone was able to get by him. But when you're going against those three guys and you're only giving up one or two bad plays, <laughs> you live with that. Um, three blocks. He had that one really nice block with about a minute and 40 seconds left mm-hmm. where he was switched out on the perimeter, got beat, and was able to recover and block the shot. That's an incredibly impressive play from a center that's, what, seven foot one? <laughs> He's got quick feet. He's moving so well. And He's only getting better. And like you said with Raekwon Gray, I mean, MJ may have had the most points, but Turk was by far the player of the game to me. I mean, he was just absolutely everywhere. 19, 19 points. Um, I have his stats right here. 19 points, five assists, four rebounds, three steals and a block, like you mentioned. With Scotty Barnes out, he was able to pick up the ball, handling slacking, able to create off the dribble. He was attacking, you know, when Daron Sharp would switch out on him. And Daron Sharp couldn't keep up. None of their bigs could. And that's what happens when you have a six eight guy that's two sixty and moves as fast as he does. He yeah, was, and it felt he was confident all game. Felt like he could get to the rim whenever he wanted to. And then there was other times where he was hitting like a little a little floater or a mid range jumper. He just had it. He had it in the bag today. He knew exactly how he wanted to play this game. He picked his spots perfectly, and and it worked out. And he also went a team high seven of seven from the free throw line and. Florida State, 26 of 27 from the free throw line, 96.3%. I think last game they were 11 for 11. So they've really picked up the free throw shooting coming into the new year. Yeah, and that's what happens when you have, you know, 15 days off. You get a ton of time to just get into the gym and get shots up and practice free throws, practice threes. Um, When they're not able to have full practices, you're able to just settle down and focus on the things that you can control. And we've seen that the last two games, 37 for 38 in your last two games is obviously not, you can't expect to keep that up the whole season, but it's much, much more encouraging than what we saw the first few games from Florida State. And part of that student, you know, you had nine months from the last time Florida State played a game to when they started the season, that's going to happen. Um, so, so for them to 
get a couple more weeks to just get in the gym and get shots up, it's big. Yeah, and I think at Florida State, you know, they hang around 80% or so. They'd be feeling really good about that kind of performance at the free throw line. I mean, really in college, as long as you're above 70%, you're doing pretty good. But this mm-hmm. team has so many great shooters. If I think they have the potential to be 74, 75, 76%. Now, is the worst free throw shooter on the team Scotty Barnes now? It, he's been the worst because free throw shooter. I, I know, but I'm just I'm watching a guy like Tanner, Tanner Noem who doesn't really shoot that many free throw attempts, or at least so far this season. And just his his um his form on his free throws. It's confident. Just, it's perfect for a seven foot two big man. Yeah, and and even Balsha was four or four tonight. And yeah. Turk, Turk came into the game as a sixty seven percent shooter from the free throw line. He like you said, he was seven of seven. Only guy to miss one was Florida State's best uh, percentage wise free throw shooter, MJ Walker. Who who can I also say his form is pretty much picture perfect as well. I mean, every time he makes a free throw, it's the exact same thing. It hits the back room, goes right down every <laughs> single time. It's unbelievable. And when he misses, it, you know, it's, it doesn't miss by much. Yeah. I mean, that, that's someone that you can see has spent so much time in the gym, so much time just same thing over and over, repetition, repetition. Because, like, that one time where he got fouled on the three, each three free throws did the exact same thing. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's unbelievable. And yet he missed the one at the end of the game, but he's still a what ninety-two percent shooter on the free on the season. Yeah, you live with that. I don't know if we said it yet. We did credit Florida State's bigs, but oh yeah, I think I did say it. Florida State out rebounded North Carolina thirty to twenty-nine, and coming Huge. into this game, the Tar Heels were number one in the country in rebounding, and we were kind of questioning a little bit, you know, Florida State's big man rotation, but today just on point, as well as the guards get in there, helping box out, helping grab boards as well. You mentioned Balsa. He finished with a team high. Nine rebounds. Raquan Gray had four. And um, after that, you had MJ Walker and who was that? Calhoun with three boards apiece. So, actually, that's Wilkes. <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> but either way, a very good performance for Florida State on the boards. And one guy I want to bring up real quick is Malik Osborne, who – Came into this game struggling shooting-wise. He's still playing solid defense. Went three out of five from the field today. Two out of three from deep. He was one of 11 from deep entering the game today. And also had a block. So, shout out to Malik Osborne for kind of getting out of that slump a little bit. And excited to see if he can keep that moving forward into Louisville. Yeah. Carolina's the best offensive rebounding team in the country. They average 16.5 offensive rebounds per game they get 23 points per game from post-ups and second chance points florida state limited them to i think it was 14 second chance points tonight which is unbelievable the second chance points ended up being just 14 to 11 and then points off turnovers was 22 to 20 in florida state's favor so those two essentially cancel out and from that was just who's the better team and it ended up being florida state um like you mentioned with malik his energy like we've mentioned all year and all last year, his energy is just so infectious. It gets the team going. We saw it when he chased that loose ball out of bounds. How many team or how many guys just got him and started cheering for him, and how many guys are just happy to see him performing? Mm-hmm. Um, he's such a big part of this team, and as he gets more confident going forward, especially playing the four, because that's the one thing he struggled with last year. He played almost exclusively in the post. Now he's moving out to the perimeter where you have all these guys, and he, he's struggling trying to create off the dribble. Not as confident in a shot. Going two for 
two for three against North Carolina. It's going to be huge. What do you think about him being kind of the the ball carrier the the last couple of possessions of the game, or kind of in some of the clutch time minutes? Because felt he like had, he was bringing the ball to. up a lot. They had to because Carolina was doing such a good job pressuring the ball and denying the ball away from, you know, Evans, Turk, MJ, Polite. Yeah. That they just had to get the ball into the center and then just pass it right back to Malik. I mean, if if that's what has to happen, that's what has to happen. And luckily, they're just like, okay, Malik, you can bring it up. That's fine. We're not going to pressure you, which I don't know why. If I'm Carolina, I'm <laughs> sending two people at him. Right. <laughs> um, and sa- same thing would have gone for MJ. You know, MJ finished with three turnovers in this game, and he's shown that he's not exactly the greatest and strongest ball handler, but he's capable in spots. I would have done the same thing with MJ. If, if anytime he gets the ball off one of those inbounds, just go ahead and immediately send two bodies at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Carolina was fine as long as it wasn't Evans or Gray, which is interesting. Um, and yeah, do you have anything else you want to add on North Carolina before we start moving towards Louisville? I, w- I will say that towards the end of the game, I started getting a little bit closer because just out of nowhere, North Carolina brought Anthony Harris off the bench. Right. The guy who tore his ACL, you know, about a year and a month ago, about 13 months ago. Mm-hmm. He wasn't expected to play. And he just comes in midway through the second half. Has five points, three assists, and Florida State just had no idea what to do. And I'm sure they just didn't even have him on the scouting report because there no one was <laughs> expecting him to play. And I think the broadcast said it. He was just making uh, North Carolina's offense play faster. They were going even more up tempo with him in that game because he was just such a fast-paced Which ball is, handler. It's what you expect Carolina to do. You know, I mentioned it in my pre- my preview article. This is a team in the past that's wanted to get up and down the floor as fast as possible. In these last few years, they just haven't done that because, you know, they're playing with freshman point guards that aren't Kobe White, who Kobe White was an anomaly. That dude played at a million miles an hour. <laughs> now you've got new freshman point guards who are trying to get used to playing at the college speed. Now you're bringing in a guy with Anthony Harris who, yeah, he only played five games last season, but he has a year in the system and watching film and being at practices, maybe not practicing, but being at practices and seeing what to do. He came in the game, and the game looked completely different from Carolina. They're moving the ball well. They're getting up and down the floor, like he said. He finished with a plus-minus of plus 10 in nine minutes. You know, if he plays that whole game, like he just comes out and starts right away, it might be an entirely different game. You know, it, it was interesting that they went to him so late in the game when they really needed some offense because I think only three players for them finished with a positive plus-minus, and one of them was Andrew Playtech, who's horrible. And then with Garrison Brooks, who, was, who came into the season as preseason player of the year, you limit him to 12 points and one rebound. You know, that's his lowest rebounding output in, in a loss in over 60 games. Yeah. That, that's an incredible performance. It's an incredibly impressive performance from all the bigs, not just Balsha, but Tanner Ingham, too, who, yeah, he only played seven minutes. But even John Rothstein's tweeting about him. It's way too early for John Rothstein to be tweeting about Tanner Ingham. Really is, right? <laughs> Like, that tweet came out of nowhere. It hit my DMs. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I need him here another season. Stop it. <laughs> but, I mean, you can't lie. Only seven minutes today for Nome, and he was pretty flashy. He had a, he had a block on one possession. North Carolina yep. got the offensive rebound. They missed, I think, a three. He pulled down the rebound, passed it ahead, and I think Florida State ended up getting either fouled at the rim or an am one on that possession. And then he also had, he had an am one bucket of his own 
well, almost an M one went off the glass and went out and then he shot those free throws, which like I said, free throw stroke is really nice for a big. And then I think later on in the game, sorry to keep interrupting you. I was just going to say, he had that really nice reverse layup. Where yeah, that's what I was going to say. He got cut out of the rim and just, he did a good job of pivoting and using good feet and just laying it up. Yeah. And that was during that's a time where North Carolina was on a run and uh, Raekwon Evans found him inside and he got that layup, which kind of helped stall, stall North Carolina run and, keep Florida State with some momentum. So he was he was really impressive today. Yeah, I don't think any players benefited more from two weeks off than him. You know, he did, he looks like a completely different player. He knows what he's doing now. I mean, yeah, you could the numbers will say Raekwon Evans, but that's more – a lot of that's opportunity. You know, he doesn't have Scotty Barnes starting in front of him now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Evans looks better too. I'm not going to say he's not a different player. But Tanner Ingham just looks so much more confident and so much more – capable of knowing what he's able to do, where he's supposed to be on the floor. He should have had a three-second call, and Jay Bill has absolutely pointed it out. That dude was in the paint for 10 seconds. <laughs> I, um, remember, I remember that. But other, like, other than that, you know, he, he's doing exactly what he needs to do. The, the play that actually stands out most in my mind is we're inbounding underneath the basket. We do the three across the free throw line, one in the corner set. And usually that, can, that gives a lot of looks for Florida State. Sometimes they'll bring MJ Walker around to curl. This time they just said, just squeeze and let MJ Walker shoot over the top. And Tanner Ingham did a great job of screening off whoever the Carolina defender was and letting MJ Walker get an open look at the top of three and a chance or in, in a space where they really needed that three. And it feels like every, every big man on this roster sets quality screens. I mean, you had even Coper Vika coming up, setting some hard screens, Raekwon a couple of times. I don't remember, I don't know if Malik. Had one this game, but I mean, he's normally pretty solid with his screens as well. So, just another quality that those Florida State bigs have. They're so they're so versatile. Yeah, and, and as his offense gets better, you know, the one thing I do want to see better is the bigs are doing a great job of setting the screens, but the guards aren't doing a great job of coming off the screens. They're still coming a little too flat. The defenders aren't hitting the screens. I, I love. I saw it a lot with Calhoun. You know, I just want to see him get downhill, come right off the bigs' hip. And really put that defender on his back, and then you're in a two-on-one with a seven-one center. Like it, it should be easy money every time. You, you really just have to get that defender on your back. Um, it really uses those ball screens to your advantage because they're working, especially against Carolina. They were, they kept bringing their bigs up right next to Balsha, which I really did not understand. If you use those ball screens to your advantage, you know you're looking at a 10-15 point win. And really, it feels like Calhoun is another guy trying to get into that rhythm. We saw it kind of with Nate Jack last game. He was just – he looked really confident and confident before that game. And, but Calhoun still still not quite – I don't know. I don't know how to say. He's not in sync yet since the season has started. Today, just one out of five, which he did go a team high plus minus of 13, which I'm sure you're going to mention in a second, Austin. But – um. He's, he's going to be a capable bench scorer for Florida State. He's just got to find that rhythm. Yeah. I, I mean, part of it's he's going from Juco where he was the de facto number one guy scoring 18 points a game, getting mm-hmm. 14, 15 shots a game to, you know, he's the seventh, eighth man off the bench. He's struggling to create looks in the offense, so he's forcing things. He plays a little too erratically for the staff's liking, so they keep him on the bench so he can watch. It, it, a lot of this is going to come with time. I think by the time we hit March, he's going to be a really important guy for this team. 
just because of what he can do on offense. You know, he's super athletic, has really quick passes, moves well. He just glides. He takes the longest strides I think I've ever seen. He moves like 10 feet at a time. And like you mentioned with his plus minus, he was plus 13 in 16 minutes. No one else had a plus minus of a plus seven. You know, that, that's big. You know, it may not show on the box score with just three points and three rebounds, but the ability is absolutely there. He's energetic. He plays good defense. And that's what you needed to see from him. Yeah, and hopefully we can see him just, you know, start to come alive on offense a little bit as the season continues to progress. Like you said, by March, it would be nice to see him getting into a steady rhythm as Florida State approaches the um, NCAA tournament. It's always good to have hot bench scores. Um, we'll see if Nate Jack can continue to make progressions. Obviously, Wyatt Wilkes has been there in the past. He wasn't he wasn't on point today, but you know it's it's always it's always hot and cold for streaky shooters. Wyatt's like, um, either all the way on or all the way off. They're, well, it's the same thing with Nate Jack. Yeah, but like. Nate's kind of understandable. It's just, it's so crazy with Wyatt. He either hits four threes in a game or he airballs two and has a bad turnover. There's no in-between. And I'd, I'd love for him to have some in-between just so he can get some continuity. So, moving on. Final, final thoughts on this win for Florida State over North Carolina. And what kind of momentum does this give them looking ahead to Monday? And also, this team's now played two games since Wednesday. They're going to have a day break tomorrow where they're probably going to be traveling to Louisville. How, how does this game – how tired is Florida State going to be for this game? They're third in five days. You know, it's definitely going to be tough. Um, but Louisville's having to do the exact same thing. Um, and this is the one time where you're actually kind of happy with a noon game because, you know, by the time you shower, get done with media, get done with the, the last coaches meeting in the locker room, you know, you're out of the building by 2.45, 3 o'clock. You get plenty of time to get treatment. Go hit the cold tub, go get some ice, go get some stem treatment, hot tubs, whatever, <laughs> and then go eat, come back to the facility, get a little bit of film work done. Whereas Louisville, they don't play until 8 o'clock tonight at Miami. And then they have to hop immediately on a plane to go back to Louisville and probably won't land until 2, 3 a.m. I, I, I'd much rather be Florida State in this situation than Louisville, especially with Louisville. You know, their depth has really been tested this season with injuries between Malik Williams being out all year, Charles Midlin just came back. Um, they had a guy go down last game, um, Jalen Weathers. Uh, he went down with a – I wasn't sure if it was an ankle injury or just a calf cramp, but still he went down. And we'll see if he plays tonight. But, you know, they've been dealing with injuries and bang-ups and nicks and bruises all year. So I, I would definitely much rather be Florida State in this situation. And then just, just in terms of momentum, I mean, you talk about two straight wins against Tobacco Road schools who are both in the top half of the conference – and then you have two tough games this week at Louisville and then home against Clemson. I, I still think Clemson's the best team in the ACC as we sit right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it, if over this four-game stretch you go three and one, you're sitting real pretty for the rest of the season. Because after this game again, after this two-game stretch against Clemson, it gets a lot easier. Yeah, and we'll see how Clemson does tonight um, at home against Virginia. It's gonna be so ugly. 
The over-under is 116, and I want to bet the house on the under. It's just be scary so because that's like, I don't know what the spread is, but that's not even like 60 to 60 if you divide it by two. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to be a low-scoring game. Basically 58 to 58 if you want to just do the math. Um, I, f- I forget what the spread was. I, th- I think it was Clemson by like a point and a half. Let me check real quick. Yeah, can't be that. It's Virginia by a point and a half. Yeah, so either way. It's on ESPN. Yeah, Virginia, Virginia point and a half over under 116. Yeah, it's going to be a bad game. Well, I won't say bad game. It's going to be an ugly game. That If you I like think. defense, this There's is no the does. game for you. No, no one likes defense that much. Give me sixty points, somebody. It's gonna be one. It's gonna be like the Florida State game a few weeks ago, where whoever hits fifty-one first is probably gonna win. Yeah. So we'll be we'll be looking forward to that game to see how um, Clemson and Virginia do because they're both coming up on Florida State's schedule. Um, Florida State's gonna play Virginia in February. Yeah, and. Luckily with Virginia, it's in the middle of a three-game homestand sandwiched between, you know, Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. Um, and by the time they play them, you'll have a lot more confidence in your offense, which the offense already looks the best it ever has under Coach Hamilton. You know, they're top 15 in offensive efficiency in Ken Palm's rankings, which I don't think that's ever happened. Um, there, If you compare their efficiencies, it's not as high compared to college basketball in the past few years. But defense across college basketball on a whole has been much higher than the past few years, you know, Florida State fits. Florida State sits like 40th in defensive efficiency. Mm. You take their same defensive efficiency and put it two years ago, they're like 25th. Wow. Uh, it's just a different year in college basketball, and part of that's you know that teams didn't get a ton of time to practice offense in the summer. Which when Florida State was able to practice, that's all they did it was just offense, 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 and they let the defense come to them. Makes sense. I mean, it's it's working out. We've seen, we saw this team not really start out in the greatest defensive rhythm, but it feels like as time goes on, they're just getting more and more in sync with each other. So, and when it they makes sense. when they need to play defense, they do. I mean, the last two minutes were some really really great defensive possessions yeah. against Carolina. The, you know, the poke out from Raekwon Gray on Daron Sharp when he absolutely should have had a wide open dunk. That was impressive. The ball showed black. We talked about earlier. That was impressive. The last real possession they had where Anthony Polite just completely just sat on the baseline and said, no, you're not going here. <laughs> it's, it was it was impressive two-minute stretch. And if you can span that out over 40 minutes, you know, Florida State's looking like the Florida State defense of the past. Yeah, and there's there's plenty of capable players on this roster. It just it all It all comes together when they put a full game together. And they – they showed the closest signs of that against North Carolina State. Obviously, the the offensive efficiency made it look even better. But when they have a full 40-minute game locked in on both offense and the defensive side of the court where they're not missing rotations and giving up a couple easy looks, things like that, because you know North Carolina, not a really good shooting shooting team. And this game, they were hitting some threes, aided by Florida State, getting late to players on catching shoots and – just missing a player who, who was open from deep. And once they put it all together, I mean, this is going to be a scary team. It's only January. They've had the COVID outbreak. 
you know, and it, honestly, that, that hasn't really thrown the rhythm off at all since these two games back. So I'm looking forward to seeing Florida State deep in February, in March, a conference tournament, and really just seeing a performance come all together. Yeah, and part of the open looks from three, some of it's miscommunication. A lot of it's the game plan saying, hey, we're not going to let your bigs beat us. If you want to be us from the perimeter, fine. You know, UNC came in the game as a 29% three-point shooting team. It just, have, just so happened the guy they kept leaving open and open was their one good shooter, and that was Curran Walton. Um, I, I feel like he had 30 points tonight, but he only had 14. Also, uh, Love was open a, a good amount of times, and yeah, coming into this game, he was 18%. He shot he, 50% today. Yeah, he went three of six, and then R.J. Davis went two of three. He came into the game at like 27% from three or 29% from three, something like that. You know, good players are going to make open shots. You know, that's, that's just something they do, especially in the ACC. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of it was because of the game plan and them just wanting to keep everything away from the inside. But if you want to look at the good parts of the defense, for the second straight game, a North Carolina school had absolutely no idea how to inbound against Florida State underneath the basket. I, I don't have the stats right in front of me of how many turnovers they forced, but it, it felt like, you know, against NC State, I think they had two turnovers and another one where they should have gotten a turnover. In this game, they got at least one turnover, another one where UNC scored on a broken play that should have been a turnover. I don't know if these teams just aren't watching film on our inbounds defense or what, but something about that slanted 1-3-1 defense just absolutely confuses absolutely confuses these last two teams that we played. And, you know, I don't know if it was an under-the-basket inbounds, but the one the one long inbounds that North Carolina threw that MJ Walker made a yeah, terrific that was, play on. that was underneath. I'm pretty sure I mean, that was underneath. If not, it was still that same kind of zone, zone one, slanted one three one defense that Florida State runs for underneath the basket uh, inbounds plays. Um, for more breakdowns on that, I've, I've put them in past game-changing plays articles and how Florida State runs it. I'm sure I'll probably put it in today's three game-changing plays articles. Because that, that one MJ tip-out dunks sparked a long run for Florida State in that first half. Yeah, that, that was a huge play for Florida State. And, you know, thinking back to previous games, at least recently, I don't really remember Florida State, I don't want to say playing with that tight of pressure on the inbounds pass where, where they throw a deep one like that. Normally you don't see the player pursue it like MJ did. They just kind of let the guy grab it. But that time he went after it. And I noticed during much of the game, whenever UNC was bringing it up after a, a Florida State made basket, Florida State was using a lot of defensive pressure in the backcourt and kind of wasting some time off the shot clock to shorten UNC possessions. I don't know if that was another thing they were doing to kind of throw them out of rhythm. I mean, they do that every game. You know, when I was a manager there, they were even tighter today. I don't know. Yeah. They would always start when they would go through opposing plays, offensive sets, they would always start the shot clock at 18 seconds instead of 20 or 22, because they expect by the time the other team beats our pressure, you know, they really worked about the floor. There's only going to be 17, 18 seconds on the shot clock. We want to play defense for 18 seconds. You know, that, that's their goal. And even when they're in their offense, they're trying to force them out as far as they can usually. You know, today was a little bit different just because of who North Carolina is. But still, like you said, the pressure was intense. And that's what happens when they have three freshman guards. You're really trying to force them into making mistakes against some really deep pressure. And they ended up having 14 turnovers today. Yeah, you know, it was a great win for Florida State. 
They moved to three and one in conference play. Um, now we're going to move towards the uh, trip to Louisville on Monday night, Martin Luther King Day. Florida State versus Louisville at seven o'clock. Austin, what are your some of your, some of your first thoughts coming into this game, especially with the potential that MJ Walker and Scotty Barnes could be out with ankle injury? Louisville could not be a more stylistically different team than what we just played. You know, you go from North Carolina who has so many bigs and such a deep big rotation to a Louisville team who has essentially no bigs that they play. You know, the, the biggest guy that they start is six foot eight. And the biggest guy they play is six ten, six eleven. But those guys only get like eight minutes a game. So it, it's an entirely different team. It's entirely based on guard play. You know, Carlick Jones, the transfer from Radford, has been phenomenal this season for them. You know, seventeen points a game, six rebounds, basically five assists, a steal. He's been really, really impressive. And then you have David Johnson, who can act as a secondary playmaker and ball handler. He's averaging almost 14 points a game, almost six rebounds, four assists. You know, it's a much different team. But any time a team goes against Florida State that is so predicated on guard play, I feel so confident in Florida State just because of their ball pressure, just because of their size, length, and athleticism. When they can't, when they can't create like they're used to, it becomes an entirely different game. And I don't know if Carly Jones has ever seen a team like Florida State in their size and length with this being his first season in the ACC. And honestly, I expect Florida State's strategy to be very similar to what they did today. Just a lot of defensive pressure in the backcourt, throwing tons of different guards at Louisville and you know, just playing playing tight defense and getting what they can on offense is going to be a tough game on the road for sure. Yeah, and they're not going to focus nearly as much on the inside just because they have no interior presence. Mm-hmm. And they're a solid three-point shooting team. You know, 35% from three. They take they don't take a ton of threes, but when they do, they make them. Um, they're actually bottom 30 in three-point attempts per game nationally at just, at just basically 16 a game. Just Carly Jones and David Johnson are so good at creating off the dribble that you're going to have to have that ball pressure. You're going to have to have heavy help defense. Um, guys like Kopervich and Ingon probably won't play as much just because, you know, when you have a team that's this mobile, this athletic, this good at creating off the dribble, you don't want them out there that much and getting exposed on switches. You're gonna, probably going to see a lot of Malik Osborne at the five, which, you know, I'm cool with. That's, that's what he's best at. Yeah, Malik Osborne and probably Raekwon Gray will get the bulk of the time before he stayed at the four and five. And then really it's going to come down to we'll see if MJ Walker and Scotty Barnes are able to suit up. But Raekwon Evans has been – Raekwon Evans and Anthony Polite have been really great for Florida State as on-ball defenders. So I think we'll see a lot of them on um, Carly Jones and David Johnson. David Johnson, he, he's been hot recently. Only scored five points against Wake Forest, but before that, he had seven straight games where he scored 12 or more, and six of those he scored 17 or more. So, or to say it's going to need to key in on him. He's a really good player. Both of their guards are really good players, and they're great at creating for themselves. You know, as a team, you know, they're at bottom half nationally in assists, but they also don't turn the ball over a ton. You know, just 12 to 13 turnovers a game. You know, Florida State wants to create turnovers. They haven't been 
as great in the, as they have been in the past at creating those turnovers. But it's still something they want to do. And when you go against a team that's just, that has two good primary ball handlers, you know, it's, it's going to make things tough. They're going to have to limit their looks at the rim, limit those step backs, limit those 15-footers that they're very capable of creating for themselves. Um, they get to the free throw line, you know, a decent amount, especially Carly Jones because they're about five times a game. Um, and he's a capable shooter, 83% from free throw, 40% from three. He's almost better shooting the three than he is shooting inside, where he's 42% from two. <laughs> um, he, he's going to be a problem all night, but as long as he doesn't have a UCF kind of game where he goes for 30, then, you know, Florida State should be fine. Yeah, and Louisville as a team only shooting 74% from the free throw line, so I'd say that's a couple ticks lower than really where you want your team to be. But, I mean, regardless, this is going to be a tough game for Florida State. I want to see if they can continue this kind of offensive efficiency. I don't think it's going to stay to the level where it's currently at. But I don't know. Since since the break, it, it just feels like – I don't want to say everybody, but the majority of the team has really found their rhythm and stride, and I just want to see him continue to carry those signs into this Louisville game and into a tough week. I mean, you mentioned they're going to play Clemson earlier. They've got, I think, a a game with Miami next Wednesday. So there's some quality competition for Florida State on the schedule coming up, and they're going to need to keep playing their best basketball. Yeah, and like we keep seeing all year, you know, Clemson has the best defense in the country, according to Ken Palm. But Louisville's not far behind. You know, they sit 24th in defensive efficiency. They allow just 63 points a game. Um, they hold opponents to 38% from the floor, which is top 30, 45% from two, which is top 60. You know, it's a really good defensive team because they have so much versatility defensively. You don't have to play a true big with Malik Williams since he's out. You just have five guys that just swarm the floor. It's like what, it's like what we saw with Florida State last year, where they just have guys. Last year was different for Florida State because everyone was between six four and six nine, and they just dominated everybody. <laughs> this year, you I mean Carly Jones is six one. I think he's more five eleven or six foot, but everyone else is six five to six eight, and has that same versatility, same switchability, and can really get out on defenders and shooters. Having that much speed on defense is important. And if if Florida State can have anywhere near the same offensive efficiency they've had the last two games, they should feel really good about themselves on Monday night. And, you know, last year, Florida State went into Louisville. I don't have the final score pulled up, but it was a a pretty dominating performance over uh, a highly ranked Louisville team that I don't think many expected going into that matchup. What do you foresee this time around? You know, it's a different kind of game. You know, last year, you know, Louisville had Jordan Nuora, you know, Ryan McMahon, and a couple other guys that were really good players. And annoying. And then, and then MJ just came out and dominated Louisville. He had 23 points on 13 shots on, on which was 78-65 win in the KFC Yum Center over the top 10 Louisville team. Um. I, it's going to be a different kind of game. I don't think you're going to see one player dominate from each side like we did last year because Nora had 32 points on 15 shots. He was absurd last year. Um, it's, going to, it's going to be a little bit more win by committee. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it's a little bit lower scoring. You know, both teams do have good offenses, but they also have good defenses as well. And this year of college basketball, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it ends up being like a 68-64 kind of game. And honestly, I'm really, I'm really excited to keep seeing the guys that you aren't expect that we weren't expecting to have like the biggest performances before the last couple of games. Guys like Raquan Evans, guys like Nate Jack, guys like Tanner Nome, if he does get to play some against Louisville. I really want to see if they can continue to play like they've been playing, especially Raquan Evans, who once again was terrific today for Florida State as one of the primary ball handlers, and he's just – he looks comfortable. I think that's what you said last podcast. He didn't look comfortable last year, his first out of JUCO. This year and these last two games, he's looked like a completely different player, playing within the pace of the offense and just always seeming to make the right play, whether it's on offense or defense, not really forcing anything, and also finding finding a different man at times if he doesn't have an open look, so – I want to. I really want to see if uh, he can keep that up against a really good Louisville team, who, like you mentioned, has some great guards. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned earlier, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Scotty Barnes and MJ Walker. You know, I'm going in with the mindset MJ is going to give it a go. Scotty's probably going to sit again, um, but if Scotty plays, and even if it's only 15 minutes a game, you get a six-nine guy that can cover so much ground and so much space. You know, that changes matters. the dynamic for Florida State. Yeah, yeah, it really matters for Florida State against a really good guard-led team. Um, if he's able to give it a go and perform well, that that's going to be huge for Florida State. It's going to be it's going to be such a difference maker. Um, I, I, just because MJ finished the game, you know, he's he's probably going to rest. Him. I mean, granted, tomorrow they're probably not even going to practice. It'll be one of those. You know, they have film in the morning. They go upstairs, do some free throws, do a walkthrough, and then they get on the bus, go to go to the airport. Um, so they're not going; they're probably not going to practice. They're going to get a lot of treatment. Hopefully, get a little bit healthier, and we'll see if they're able to play. Yeah, and it would be big if Scotty could play because then you get a six-nine point guard on Carly Jones, and um, you know, not many, not many people, not many smaller guards this season have um been able to figure out Scotty Barnes's defense with his length and athleticism. Which, and, understandably. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, uh, be able to potentially have him on Louisville's uh, second or best offensive threat would be huge for Florida State. Yeah, and, and as great as Anthony Polite is on ball, you know, I think he's one of the three best defenders in the ACC. And as great as MJ Walker is on ball, as great as Turk is on ball, you know, just having another guy like Scotty Barnes that you can throw at these guys m- makes a massive difference. Um, we'll see if he's able to go. Yeah, it's just with, with these six nine big guys, ankle injuries are always tough, and you'd rather them rest and be 100% healthy than play on a 70% ankle and risk hurting it again. And we'll be looking for your inside information on that in the Discord, Austin. We'll, we'll see if I get any. Um, you have anything else you want to add before we go watch some NFL playoffs? Well, you'll be watching NFL playoffs. I'm going to finish watching this boring game of Notre Dame-Boston College that I'm subjecting myself to. 
and then follow that up with another boring game in Virginia and Clemson because we play Clemson again on Saturday. It'll be and an then after that, game. And then after that, Louisville and Miami at 8 o'clock. So I'll be busy today. Um, I'm going to be flipping through the channels. I'm going to catch some of those as well. Not going to watch all 40 minutes like you might. But. Yeah, and, and by the time this podcast is up, my three game changing plays article should be up. I suggest reading that. I'm going to try and get my game preview out tomorrow night for Louisville. If not, it'll be up Monday morning for everybody. Um, it's going to be a good game. It's a big test for Florida State team. They should be back in the top 25. Louisville should still be in the top 25, depending on what happens tonight. And it'll be a good, good road test that'll really test the maturity of this team. Agreed. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and make a note. It's 4.47 p.m. Eastern time. Let's see when Logan is able to post this podcast. If it's not before 10 o'clock, I need everybody to cancel him like they did after he didn't wear a mask. That'd be great. Well, we're here the Spirit presented by Noel Game Day. This has been Dustin and Austin looking ahead to uh, Florida State's game on Monday night against Louisville at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Make sure to uh, subscribe to Hear the Spear if you haven't already. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and more. Still looking for a sponsor. So uh, if you want to sponsor this podcast, any segment on the podcast, go ahead and shoot us an email, nolgameday at gmail.com. And thank you. We will see you all next time.